so today we're going to take a little break from our uh, series through working through uh, First John and turn our attention to praise. Praise. Psalm 113 is a great psalm of praise. I got to tell you, I've chosen this for a whole bunch of reasons, not least of which is the seeming necessity for our time, but um, also because I have a personal connection to it. When I started out in Christianity, my first few years, I was a member of a choir, a church choir, Baptist church choir back in Melrose, uh, Massachusetts. And um, we actually recorded uh, a version of Psalm 113 uh, on a CD. It was terrific. The, the choir director was um, a fellow by the name of Jeff Hicks, who was a professional musician and a composer, all around good guy, good Christian man. Uh, a black man who um, managed to get the church to have one month or one week a month as a gospel service. And he would actually write the, the, the gospel music for that service. And Psalm 113 was one of those. I, again, J Jeff had everything going for him, except that the people who had to perform his music were about 25 middle-aged, middle-class white folks from north of Boston. So other than that, Jeff was great. So Psalm 113 is the first of six consecutive psalms, which are called the Hallel Psalms. Uh, Hallel just means praise. Um, and this is sort of a poetic rendition, uh, brief rendition of Israel's experience in the Exodus. And it goes from uh, Psalm 114, which starts out in Egypt, and travels all the way through to Israel's presence uh, at the temple uh, in the presence of God. Psalm 113 is sort of the preamble to that series of six psalms, and it's all about praise. It, the psalmist is after the fact, that is after the Exodus is all over, looking back on the Exodus experience and retelling the story. And to tell this story, he has to start off with praise, because the God that he's praising started with them in Egypt and carried them all the way through to the temple, all the way through this uh, this in, in incredible and uh, memorable, frankly, memorable is not a good enough word to, to, to describe what the Exodus holds in the minds of uh, the Hebrew nation back then and today. So anyway, <clears throat> the psalmist is going to tell us about well, in these six psalms, he tells us about the Exodus, but he's going to do it as God's reporter. Now, think about what it means to be a reporter. I, I'm not really sure we can measure that by reporting standards these days, but I'm sure that when you were in middle school, they, uh, your teacher taught you, what are the elements that make a good report? And the answer to that is, and it is also the title of the sermon, who, what, when, where, and why. Hence the, hence the title of our summit, sermon. Did you know that praise was spelt with five W's? Well, there it is. Anyway, that, that's, uh, that's the approach that the psalmist uh, took, and that's the approach we'll take to look back at his work. So let me start by uh, 
reading Psalm 113. So do we get a, a general view of what's going on here? Psalm 113. Praise the Lord. Praise those servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its going down, the Lord's name is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations, his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, who dwells on high, who humbles himself to behold the things that are in the heavens and in the earth? He raises the poor out of the dust and lifts the needy out of the ashy, that he may seed him with princes, with the princes of his people. He grants the barren woman a home like a joyful mother of children. Praise the Lord. So, let's see if we can't go back and dissect what the the psalmist is telling us. Now, I know this is going to come as a shock to you, but the answer to the question who, the psalmist gives us the answer to the question who, and I want want you to hold on to your seats, because here it comes. This is verse 1b. Praise, uh, praise, O servants of the Lord. <laughs> that is, in case you couldn't guess this, as a servant of the Lord, you ought to praise the Lord. You're allowed to laugh. It's okay. It's meant as a joke. Seriously, as a servant of the Lord, you are to praise the Lord. But the really interesting part of verse 1 is uh, that 1B, uh, or excuse me, 1A where the psalmist says, praise the Lord. Now, this could be an ecstatic uh, proclamation, but it's just as much a command. He's saying, praise the Lord, and it's unqualified. It it doesn't say who is to praise the Lord. It's everyone's to praise the Lord. So that presents an interesting question. Why would people who were not part of Israel praise the Lord? What do they have to gain out? Good question, right? Well, if you think about it, you remember in the Abrahamic covenant, God says he's going to, through Abraham, he's going to bless all the families of the earth. Everyone on earth was going to be blessed through Abraham and his descendants. So the fact that God rescued Israel, brought them out of Egypt, and set them up as a nation was the, the preamble to the blessing of the whole world. So everyone in the world had had a reason and right to praise the Lord for this great gift of deliverance, because eventually it would be their blessing. But there's a direct analogy to that in the birth narrative of Jesus. In Luke uh, 2, in Luke 2, the angels are talking to the shepherds. This is verse uh, 10, 10, yeah, 10. And the angel says to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. I know we normally read right past that. Yeah, everybody should be happy. But I ask again the question, why should everybody be happy at the birth of Jesus? Well, not surprisingly, for the same reason. Just like all the world had to be happy or should have been happy because Israel was um, delivered. Well, it turns out Jesus is just a fulfillment of that prophecy. Jesus is the way that the whole world is going to be blessed. The way God fulfills his Abrahamic covenant. So 
all people even today are to be blessed because in Jesus, in Jesus, God and man are finally reconciled. From the very beginning, from the Garden of Eden, man and God were separated, separated so that God, so that Ben couldn't really come into God's presence. But in Christ, God and man are united as one. And this, again, is the preamble to the ultimate uh, redemption that's going to come when Christ returns. So, who should praise God? And the answer is everyone. So then, what? What is the content of this praise? Well, again, the, the psalmist doesn't pull any punches. He's very straightforward. This is in um, 1C and 2A. He says, praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That is to say, what we are to praise is the name of the Lord. But what's in the name? This isn't Shakespeare. A rose by any other name would smell as sweet. No, it doesn't work that way. The name, who comes in the name of the Lord? Jesus. Jesus comes in the name of the Lord. The name is that which represents uh, the person, their character, uh, their abilities, their strength. Everything that, that describes them is caught up and bound up in the name of the person, in the name of the Lord. We have strength, power, omnipotence, omniscience, benevolence, all of these things that we think of just naturally when the word God comes up to us. <clears throat> so you see this, this representation, especially in, in uh, well, in lots of places. But in particular, think about uh, Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob the third son there in, the, in line. His name, his given name is Jacob. And you know what Jacob means? The name Jacob means deceiver. Until he meets uh, and wrestles with God at Penuel, right? And at which time he gets a new name. And what is his new name? Israel, right? One who wrestles with God. But you see in both of those, that first of all, you see in Jacob the the depiction of his whole life up until that wrestling match, and frankly, even beyond it, Jacob was a deceiver. He tried to deceive everyone around him, including his brothers. Um, but then he wrestles with God, and now he becomes a new nation, a new character, a new person, one who actually strives with God as opposed to against God. But the, even better to summarize or to capsulize. Uh, the meaning of a name is, is Jesus itself. The, the word Jesus is uh, a transliteration, if you will, of um, the Hebrew, which is, which is uh, Yeshua or a, a derivation of Yoshua. And in Hebrew, that word means salvation. Jesus, if you had to boil it down to one word, would be salvation. So name is a really important, big deal. And that's what we're to praise. Now, now we've gone on for quite a long time through the service today talking about praise. What does the word praise mean? Anybody know? We looked it up. I looked it up in the dictionary. Praise is the warm or affectionate uh, 
acknowledgement or acclamation of someone or something. That's a pretty sterile definition. Huh? <clears throat> but I think it's kind of important because as I read to you from Romans this morning, Paul goes on for 20 verses there about the consequences of not acknowledging God, not giving thanks. What happens when, when you do not acknowledge or acclaim God, warmly or otherwise? If you don't acknowledge who God is, his eternal power and Godhead, what happens? You get on that spiral, that three-level spiral we talked about, uh, where you go from sexual immorality to, immor- to homosexuality to darkened minds, which is the lowest level. Once your mind is gone, you can do no worse. It is, it's, it's a matter of uh, spiritual depravity. Not even having the capability of thinking through why you're doing or what you're doing. And I say to you again, you need to take a look around the world if you don't see that in us today. So, uh, what is the content? The content of uh, our praise is blessings to God. Oh, by the way, we, we will talk about the tactics of this a little bit later. But for now, it is to praise, uh, to warmly and affectionately acclaim the uh, the attributes of God, which are his name. So next on our list is when should we praise? When should we praise? And the psalmist again answers directly in verse um, 2b. He says, you should, blessed be the name of the Lord, from this time forth and forevermore. Uh, is that a sufficient answer? <laughs> when should you praise God? You should praise him all the time. Praise him all day today, all day tomorrow, and all day forever. I, I would ask you, just as a matter of self-reflection, do you have a time when you praise God? Do you have some set-aside time to do that? No, not that you have to. I, I mean, the psalmist just told us we should be praising God all day long. But there is something to be said for making sure that you set aside time for it because we all live busy lives, and it's easy for us to turn away, to, uh, to find other distractions, things that take us away from praising God. I remember um, my, my very first Christian friend was a fellow named Jay Dolan. He was Pentecostal. And we used to go on and on uh, on theological arguments and such. And he was a good guy. And uh, he convinced me that the best thing to do is to rise early. So bef- before your day starts, before you do anything else, get out of bed and go get on your knees. And I found that to be incredibly help- helpful in this day and because there are no distractions. Right? That's just you and God alone, and that's terrific. That's what we know to be. Anyway, praise God all the time. That's the point. Uh, you might also see that uh, in in the way, um, or through the Exodus experience. Think about the Exodus experience. The Israelites had God with them continually in the pillar of fire at night the pillar of cloud in the daytime. God was always there, always demonstrating his presence, and in more than a few occasions, also demonstrating that he was actively doing stuff in their lives. 
So they had a continual reminder, a continual reminder to praise the Lord all the time because he's there reminding them. But you also see that in Jesus and uh, in the way he conducted his life. He would pray in the morning. He would pray at noontime. He would pray at meals. He would pray at night. He would pray in front of graves. He would pray wherever he was because that's what you do. Pray and praise whenever you have the opportunity. And speaking of opportunity, I don't know if you caught this uh, when you read Revelation just a minute ago. Um, I want to read for you again verses 8 through 10 in Revelation. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. And they do not, they do not rest day or night saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and who is to come. That is, day and night forever, day and night forever, the four living creatures are praising God for who he is, praising his name, just like we talked about a minute ago. But here, come, here comes the, uh, the, the, the trick or the, the term. Whenever the living creatures give, whenever the living creatures give honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever. The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne. Did you get that? The living creatures are praising God, God's name, all day, all night, always. And the elders who represent us, Every time they hear the living creatures praise God, they praise God. And it sort of comes on them at a whim. For them, there is no set time. It's all the time. Because all the time the four living creatures are, are praising God. And every time the four living creatures do, they do. So the quick answer to when should you praise is all the time. So where should you praise? Again, I I would suggest to you and urge you to have your own prayer closet, someplace where you can be away from the world and away from uh, distractions. But again, that doesn't really matter. Think again about the Exodus. As I said a minute ago, God was present with them everywhere, from the beginning of the journey to the end of the journey. He was always present always demonstrating his power, always demonstrating his glory, always demonstrating his care and his love for for Israel. But that's not unique to the Israelites. Think about Jesus, too. Where did Jesus pray? He prayed at meals. He prayed in public. He prayed at graves. I said this before. He prayed with his friends. He prayed for his enemies. All day, every day, everywhere is where it's appropriate and right to praise and pray God, pray to God. And that point we tried to illustrate through the reading from Deuteronomy. I won't go, I won't go back to read it again, but you, but you know basically what it says. You should dwell on God, on what he's done. When you sit down, when you stand up, when you go to bed, when you rise up, When you go out, when you come in, all day, every day, everywhere. And if it sounds like I'm beating a dead horse, I am. 
So that brings us to the big question, why should you praise God? And the psalmist gives us two answers, uh, two answers which seem a little uh, disjointed, separate, but they're really one answer. The first, the first of his two answers comes in verses four through six. This is why you should praise God. You praise God because the Lord is high above all nations, his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, who dwells on high, who humbles himself to behold the things that are in the heavens and in the earth. The psalmist is telling us that God is over, above, and apart from the world, from us. He is so much over and apart and above that he has to bend down to see heaven, let alone to see the earth. He has to bend to see heaven. He has to bow to us. This, if, and if he were to stop right here, we would think about this maybe as the deistic God, the God who's out there, who doesn't have anything to do with us. He just starts the watch running and lets it go as it will. But fortunately, he didn't. The psalmist didn't stop with the transcendent God. He goes on in verses 7 through 9. He raises the poor out of the dust and lifts the needy out of the ashes, that he may see him with princes, with the princes of his people. Grants the barren woman a home like a joyful mother of children. So the God that the psalmist is praising is not just a transcendent, distant God, albeit that this is an all-powerful God. He's not praising just the transcendent God, but a God who actually bows down to come near to his people. And again, we see this through the Exodus experience. God is there present throughout their entire trip. <clears throat> this is not just a, a, a transcendent God. This is an imminent God, an imminent God who cares for his people whose tender, loving care sees Israel from Egypt all the way to the temple. So, But these are not distinct thoughts. For Israel, it may have been a distinct thought, but for us, it's not. Because we know that God has come near to us. God came near to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And yes, he is the all-powerful God. He is all good, all wise, all benevolent, all strong, all powerful, all seeing, all knowing. But he's also the God who, who allowed people like us to hang him on a cross to pay for our sins. He, he was so loving of us, so caring of us, that he gave his own life that we might have life to rescue us from the bondage of sin and to deliver us into his eternal kingdom. So what can we say about praise, given what all, the psalmist has taught us? We need to praise everyone, everywhere, at all times, with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Because God is who he is. That is, he is the all-powerful, all-wise, all-good God. But also because he loves us, because he is drawn near to us, because he has given us life in Jesus Christ. So. I just have one more point that I want to make. Whenever you were taught what are the elements of report, it was not just who, what, when, where, and why. It was also how. How do you praise the Lord? 
Uh, no, this is again beating a dead horse. We did read this at the beginning of uh, service today, but it's worth repeating. This is Psalm 150, the answer to how. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the lute and harp. Praise him with timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise him with loud cymbals, with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has life praise the Lord. So I just want to leave you with one, one last thought. <clears throat> it seems clear, it is clear that um, the Exodus was an incredibly important uh, epic in, in the history of Israel. Is so strong, so deep, so ingrained that it's changed their racial and social and theological memory for 3,000 years, three millennia. It's ingrained them. And this was a, a physical deliverance. So I argue to you now, how much more have we, who have been delivered, just as Israel was delivered from, um, from bondage to freedom, how much more? We who have been delivered from the bondage of our sin, from our own personal Egypts to, uh, to ultimately heaven, but even now to be in the presence of the Lord God through the, the finished work of Jesus Christ. There is no comparison. So we need to, like the psalmist, praise the Lord. Would you pray with me? Father, you are our God. And we cannot say enough to thank you for who you are. We want not just with warm appreciation, acknowledge you. We want with all our hearts and souls and minds and strength to shout from the highest rooftop. You are the Lord God, our God, who has rescued us from ourselves and from our sin. We thank you, Lord God, that you are our God. And, and we uh, thank you for the opportunity that you give us this week and every week to come here before you, to gather at your throne, and to offer to you the praise that you so richly and rightly deserve. We give you thanks that you sent your son into this world, not just as the distant uh, deistic God, but as the God who draws near, who draws near, wears our skin, suffers in our place and redeems us from the burden of law and from uh, your righteous wrath. We bless you, Lord God, that you are God. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for all that you've done. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.